episode 30. I had to think about it. We've reached another decade. Yeah. Our podcast is, if I mean, if this were years, our podcast would be older than we are. Yes. Which is kind of scary to think about, but, you know, here we are. Um, uh, I don't think I have anything <laughs> before we start. I mean, it's true crime week, which I'm always excited about, but this week is shorter than most of the other weeks, but it's still a good one. It's just like, there isn't a lot of like very specific details. I mean, there's specific, we'll see, we'll get into it, but anyway, okay. So it's true crime week and... Did you happen to, like, peek at my notes and you know what I'm doing already? No, I never know. Oh, okay. Well, have you ever heard of the the uh, siege, in Waco, siege in Waco, Texas? Vaguely. I don't really know much about it. But, yeah. yes, I've heard. Because everybody always makes a reference to Waco. So, like, I've heard about it. Uh, I actually didn't know about it until, like, a year or two ago. Um, because I'm in the spoiled gener- generation that... Uh, Everything we know about Waco is, uh, you know, Anne and Chip, Chip and Joanna. Chip, I, I'm really upset with myself that I called her Anne because I am, I am a real fan. I promise. Are you? Love me, senpai. Okay. Anyway, moving on. All right. So, Waco, Texas, go. So, but anyway, so Waco. So, um, the siege in Waco, Texas, actually was a 51-day standoff between the FBI and a millennial Christian sect called the Branch of the Davidians. 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 Like David Inns? David Ians. Okay. Davidians. Okay, I got it. I got it. I got it. So, yeah, it was 51 days. Like, there's, it's, I'm just imagining. That's almost two months. Yeah. I mean, it could have been two months. What if it was January, February? That's two months. <laughs> it wasn't January, February. It was, oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I hate to bust your bubble. Um. Okay, but um. Anyway, so the 51 day standoff actually began on February 28th of 1993. I don't know if I said the year before. I don't think I did. Um, but it was actually over 80 agents from the U.S. Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, or as you're going to hear the rest of the episode, the ATF, because I'm never saying that again. Um, they raided the religious compound in Mar- Mount Carmel, Jesus, that was near Waco, Texas, after they received alleged reports that the Branch Davidians and their leader, David Koresh, were violating federal firearm regulations. So, like, this whole thing started and over, I think it's over 70 or 75 people died um, because they thought that these people had guns <laughs> or they were violating the firearms, like, rules. Did they actually have guns? I mean, yeah. Okay. I mean, but, like, I don't know if it was just the issue was that they actually had guns. We'll, we'll get into it. So, originally, four ATF agents and um six dividends had like come and they were talking about it and whatever and they all ended up there ended up being a gun battle like right off the bat and then the funny thing is not like funny haha but just funny in general um if that even makes sense but no one actually knows to this day who shot first like no one knows uh, how this how like, do you not know no one knows I well feel because like that's the something four that should be recorded well it was 1993 1993 that's not that far long ago yeah but they didn't have like body cams and stuff back then yeah but you would you still have to file a report well the thing is the four atf agents and the six davidians who ended up in a gun battle all died god damn it yeah um and then as everything like starts they eventually they arrange a ceasefire which is how it ends up being a 51 day standoff because nearly nine hundred law enforcement officials end up surrounding the compound 900 like this is so many levels of unnecessary like 900 people like i don't make the rules yeah whatever but um out of those 900 included hostage negotiators and rest hostage negotiators jesus christ and rescue teams from the fbi uh and the plan was is they were going to try to at least get out the women and children because from what they were able to figure out it was mostly the men who were aggressive or at least that's what was said 
But if you know anything about the 90s, or if you literally even just kind of know about the 90s, television reporting was just at that point starting to get big. So, of course, a bunch of reporters showed up. (laughs) Fucking A, bro. Yeah, so a bunch of reporters showed up on the scene, and the 51-day siege that followed was actually played out on TV across the nation. Like, all 51 days. It was basically, like picture for those of you that are old enough to remember we're like barely old enough to remember but when 9-11 happened Mm -hmm. and i think we remember it if anything else just more less because we were older because i was five when 9-11 happened no i was six i was in first grade and you would have been five Mm -hmm. so i was at home i was in school and i remember my mom like coming and picking me up and panicking because they were a hundred percent sure that that second plane was coming for Philly. They were like, it's either going for Philly or DC. And like, it ended up hitting smack dab in the middle of Pennsylvania. Anyway, was that the one that hit the, like just plane land? Yeah. The, uh, mm-hmm. the passengers on the plane ended up taking over and it's out yep. near Punxsutawney. Yeah. Yeah. I remember learning about that one. Yeah. So the passengers on the plane took over and then they were like, ah, we know there's grass and shit here. And they crashed the plane, but they were had no idea and they're like okay well we know that they're attacking the east coast out of the east coast the only other places that are like matter left is dc and philly and like philly would make sense because like historical landmark and And they hit the pentagon so yeah they did hit the pentagon which they didn't tell us for fucking years like literally like y'all didn't know no we all got told that nothing the only things that got hit were 9-11 or 9-11, were the Twin Towers and then the plane that crashed in Punxsutawney. We literally got told that that was it until I was in, like, high school. Yeah, it's real hard to hide that when you live from people there. live there, yeah. Yeah, no, we all got told. The rest of the world, at least, and maybe that was just, like, a Philly thing, but no, like, dead ass, like, they were, like, depending on it and get hit. The Pentagon didn't get hit. What yeah, no, ta- I remember, like, there's, like, this one, um bay tour like boat tour that you could take and it takes you past the pentagon and you would just go past and or you would drive past and you would just see it and the scaffolding from them trying to fix it yeah no i've years years they were like no no the the pentagon's impenetrable it's a no fly zone well pentagon wasn't even a fucking no fly zone until after 9-11 which is like bonkers to me because you would think the pentagon and the white house would have already been but whatever uh, anyway, moving forward, I mean, I can only imagine that the Waco siege was pretty, like, similar to, you know, what what our experience of 9-11 was. And just as far as it constantly being on TV and, like, all you know is you've got these FBI agents, you've got literally 900 law enforcement officials who are out there to, you know, to be, I guess, um, but the reporters were on the scene and they were there for literally every single second of all 51 of those days. So it was all over TV, newspaper, radio, everything, not just in America, but literally around the world. Um, in the beginning, they kind of had some negotiations kind of go kinda well, sort of, kind of, sort of. Yeah, not really. They ended up negotiating to get, um, some of the children sent out in exchange for supplies. And so the Davidians ended up sending out 24 children from the possible cult compound, which we'll get into later, um, uh, in exchange for f- food and supplies. Uh, so even though there were still a lot of children left inside, they were like, all right, well, you know what? We need to, we need to get this ball rolling. Like this was probably within the first week they got this negotiation successful so at this point they're just like okay we're ready to get this ball rolling Mm -hmm. so um david koresh who was the leader of the occult group um and i'm calling it an occult group because i know some people are gonna get irritated like that now the branch davidians weren't a cult for the purpose of what's going on right now we're going with the cult until we get into some of the other stuff um they actually still had uh, so a bunch of his children that were still trapped inside, well, trapped inside, that were still inside. And like then, his personal children? Like his personal children. Oh. Yeah, yeah. But we're we're going to get into what the Branch Divinians are. So, and then that'll make more sense. Um, so, backstory, because I did things out of order, because fuck it, why not? Um, 
so the Branch Davidians were uh, started up in the 1930s when a disgruntled member of the Seventh Day Adventist Church, Jesus, I can't say any of these words, um, whose name, his name was Victor, and I'm going to butcher this, Houtef, Houtef, H-O-U-T-E-F-F. How? Pretty yeah. sure it's Hout. Okay, Victor. Um, Victor broke away um, f- and he decided he was going to found the Davidian movement. This was like, all right, this is what we're going to do. And, you know, fuck you, seven-day Adventists, and I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want to fucking do. So, what? There's a, I'm pretty sure the seventh-day Adventist, like, headquartered thingy is in Maryland. It's possible. Pretty I, sure. I didn't I look much into it. them. I just look it looked at the Brinch Davidians. Mm, that is not bone well. <laughs> uh, anyway. Whoops. Um, so uh Victor obviously died because you know everybody has to die at some point. Mm-hmm. Um then Ben Roden took over. Um he led kinda like a branch off of the movement. Um and it was known as um the branch Davidians. It wasn't real creative clearly not no they were um but they took control of victor's original settlement in mount carmel which was near waco um around 1962 so about 30 or so years later um basically what branch davidians believe is that the bible is the literal word of god um and they look to it for clues for the end of the world christ and christ's second coming um which is touched on in the book of revelations um, Ben ends up dying in 1978. Um, his wife, Lois, takes over as the head prophetess. I think I got that right. Um, of their sect. And then in 1981, uh, Vernon Howell, who was 22 years old at the time, converted, uh, to Branch Davidian. Yeah, it gets really confusing. Hello? Uh, yeah. So he converted to Davidians and then decided that he wanted to be a part of the Branch Davidians. Um, and so he specifically moves to Mount Carmel. He actually becomes involved with Lois. Um, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, why not? Everybody, These stories always go that way. Every Everybody wants a cougar. Why not? Why not? So Lois, obviously being older, dies. Um, and uh, yeah. So at this point, Vernon, who is 22, maybe 25 at this point, ends up like clashing with her son, who is close to his age uh for control it ends up being a whole thing there is a quite literal gun battle who died (laughs) george uh lois's son um he gets shot in the head and the chest and then ben um sorry not ben uh vernon i'm sorry too many too many very generic names then vernon and seven of his followers went to trial for attempted murder attempted murder not murder murder man was it? shot in head and chest in 1981 was this or like 1987 a full on, like dual kind of thing or did they have One, like a two, shootout three, four, five, six. who knows i want to think that they had just like a shootout i want to think that they but had like, a, a hamilton status duel yeah but they could have had like big guns it's a possibility um so <laughs> After the seven of them went to trial for attempted murders, um, the seven men, who, except for Vernon, like his seven, uh, seven of his followers who were also taken to court, were all acquitted. And then somehow Vernon's case ended in a mistrial. And I couldn't find a lot about it. Like I looked and like there was there were a lot of clips. Well, Somebody mishandled the case. Probably. Or lost the file. Yeah. And I mean, to be fair, there is information out there, but a lot of it clashes and I wasn't sure how much truth there was to some of it. So I just decided to nix it. So if you look into it, there's like a bunch of different, I'll say theories, because I couldn't find anything that was concrete to me about why Vernon's trial was a mistrial. But like, I don't know how you just shoot somebody in the head and they're just like, fuck it. You only tried to kill him. You didn't kill him. I mean, you know, listen, that's what they decided to do. His ghost came back what his ghost george he's just his i ghost thought showed you up. said a ghost like as in like there was a ghost in our house no. and i was about to have burn this house down and leave you bringing like around 
family heirlooms with ghosts attached to it because i didn't i mean my family was slaves i don't get to choose what is and doesn't have slave energy on it but i also don't have family heirlooms because i didn't get the shit that i asked for aunt loretta i asked for the mac and cheese pot that's all you wanted was that's all i wanted I can't help you. That's literally okay. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna detour for a minute as I literally peak our audio. So my great grandmother passed away like a year and a half ago, and she was ninety six years old, and literally from the time she was seventy years old until she was no, I'm sorry, she was like seventy three. No, she was a little older. She was at least seventy five because I'm only twenty four. And I'll be 25. But anyway, so from the time I was at least six or seven years old, I literally walked up to her and I was like, Nana, when you die, I want the mac and cheese pot. Kids say the darnest things. I Listen, I meant what I meant. That mac and cheese pot, it does like baked mac and cheese and it does the corners and the edges like nice and crispy. And it's 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 so good. It's so good. It's, I'll take your word for it. Yeah. Well, I, I can't have the mac and cheese pot, but that's that. Anyway. So anyway, moving forward. So all of this took place in 1987 with George and his. Yeah. I don't know how you shoot someone in the head and you get away with it, but whatever. So by 1990, flash forward again, we're a little bit closer to the Waco siege. Um, at this point, George has asserted control for the most part over the Branch Davidians and he legally changes his name to David Koresh. Why he went from George, not George, why he went, God damn it, basic ass names. It's not my fault. Why he went from Vernon Wayne Howell to David Koresh I mean, Koresh makes sense. It's the Hebrew translation of Cyrus, who was an ancient king in Persia, and he conquered Babylon and allowed the Jews to return to Israel. He's a power issue. Yeah, so he has some martyr issues. He's got a lot of... He has issues. And I got issues. Anyway, um, but the point of the story is, is, like, he thinks he's, like, God. But, like, I just... I don't know. But anyway, he legally changes his name to David Koresh. And moving forward, obviously, we will no longer refer to him as Vernon Howell. He will be David Koresh. So there's, yeah, there's this whole thing where Koresh and the FBI clash. And they're like, you've got illegal firearms. Like, which I didn't know there was such a thing as having illegal firearms. Because you've got people out here with semi-automatic weapons shooting up kindergartens and movie theaters and churches. But whatever we're not going to get into that it's to be illegal yeah but it also in texas everyone has a gun in texas well it could be that they just obtained it illegally and so like they didn't go through like the whole registration and whatnot thing Possibly. not that it's hard to get away with that it's really not that's how people shoot up schools and movie theaters no, they usually and get concerts the dude who shot up the music festival in Vegas definitely did not get all of those legally. All right, but some of them definitely were legal. Yeah. And that's or the stole part. them from somebody who got them legal. Which yeah. I mean in that case that they anyway, we're digressing. So anyway, so at this point we're back to current time. I'm glad I uh we did we did a little detour. Um but like I said this took place over 51 days. Like 51 days of them negotiating back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. So during all of the negotiation, um, David goes and he says to the FBI, he goes, well, you know, the thing is, I am Messiah. I'm I'm a figure of the Messiah. And I I've seen I've seen for myself that the Bible I've seen the Bible and that God God himself came to him and gave him the surname Koresh. So, so our friend Shelby okay. has a podcast. And when she talks about cults, she does this thing where she has a checklist. And one of the things on the checklist is just person thinks they're like 
uh, like a god like figure or messiah but and um literally i just went giant check, check. <laughs> massive check uh check for two check please and yes massive check he check has for a, 500 he literally like and this is on like the official negotiation tape where he is like i am a figure of the messiah and i have come to prophesize the bible and how god came to me and gave me my surname like at this point, this man is one flew over the cuckoo's nest. He's doing some hard drugs. Listen, drugs are powerful, man. <laughs> Crack is whack. <laughs> so was the brain, though, because if he's not on drugs, like he's crazy. I think he's just crazy. But at this point, he starts threatening FBI agents. He is like, listen, we will people's church. Like we will Jones people <laughs> church this shit. We will do a fucking massive suicide. He's like, if you if you guys try to attack me or my family, the Davidians will all listen. We He's are a family. Yeah. I said that. Remember he has his kids. Right. Right. I forgot. Yeah. Because he has like his kids and then he, you know, Oh, well you're 18 years old. I'm going to have a kid with you. He was that type of bitch. There's the other check. Check. <laughs> a sexual part. Yeah. But to the branch of, like, to, like, the actual members of the church, like, he was literally considered, like, a sheep, a lamb, the only one. Yeah. He was... But also doing hard drugs. Yeah. But, and in, in, in the thing is, is, like, from their, so the, from their interpretation of the Bible, and I do say that, I'll say it that way because I do acknowledge that there are multiple interpretations of the same text well to be fair like the bible is also a man written book that actually came from several books yes so yeah you can interpret that any way you want because there's several different books just compiled into one there yep but um from there at least from their interpretation uh he was the lamb meaning that he was the only one worthy of unlocking the seven seals and revealing to the world and the entirety of the Bible and Jesus's teachings. You said seven seals and all I thought was the seven rings of hell. You know, that's one way to look at it. Cause that's what it sounds like it would actually be. Wait, I thought Dante's Inferno was like 12 rings of hell. Is there? I don't know anymore. It just makes me think of hell though, because like, why you need seven of anything? I don't know. I don't make the rules. You know. But anyway, <laughs> I digress. So <laughs> this is where it gets um, interesting. So remember how I mentioned that David had all those children and like, yes, he was like, oh, you're 18. Yeah, I lied. Um, some of his wives were actually reported to be as young as 11. There is the check mark. <laughs> Yeah, his youngest wife was 11. And he considered them spiritual wives. Um, because to them, like, and to their parents, like, the fact that he chose this 11-year-old. The man's a fucking pedophile. But the fact that he chose their 11-year-old to be his next wife was, like, the ultimate holy blessing. The no. man's a fucking pedophile. Yes. He's a fucking pedophile. Like, like, like there's really no other. It's an abuse of power. It's gross, is what it yes, is. Yes, that, that too, but I'm just... I'm going through the checklist. Be proud of me, Shelby. Shelby don't even listen to this. Be proud of me, Shelby. I'm making you listen to this now. Oh, my God. Anyway, um, but, yeah, so they're going through, and they're actually working to try to identify you know who's who and they're like send out the children and they're like okay we'll send out more children and they're like well this person's not a child like this is my wife and they're like still a child she's, she's 11 still a child she's 11 like she she send the children out sir like it ends up being like a whole thing but at this point you know we're rearing on day after day after day and the negotiators and the hostage rescue team are starting to you know they're running out of options there they've looked at you know all these different tactical movements and they've looked at you know what are what are they going to do for the siege like do they want to just storm the doors like at this point they're like what should we do they're starting to get frustrated 
they start looking at aggressive tactics. They're like, just like, we need to save, at the very least, we need to save the women and children that are in there. And that's when things start getting a little crazy. Yeah. So in mid-April, um, a bunch of religious scholars reached out to David Koresh through a radio discussion um, on the teachings of Revelation. Uh, David sent a message through his lawyer announcing that he had received word from God and was writing his message on the seven seals. He would come out with his followers when he was finished. And that's when, you know, they were like, okay, well, he's going to finish this. He's going to write this final thing. And the FBI at this point is like, okay, like, is this actually the end? Like, you've kind of lied to us multiple times at this point. Like, it's not the end. It's never. But it kind of is. So at this point, they were obviously more than a little reluctant to say like, okay, well, you know, we're going to approve uh you know we're gonna do what we need to do to move forward we're gonna like they're like should we trust them should we not um what ends up happening is attorney general janet reno 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 we're gonna go with reno like the city what you know yeah let's go with that yeah attorney (laughs) i'm sorry i'm so bad with names um attorney general janet reno um ends up approving a plan to fire gas which or cs gas which is a form of tear gas into the mount carmel compound they're at this point just trying to do anything they can to force them out of the building and just after 6 a.m april 19th of 1993 fbi agents used two specific uh, specially equipped tanks to penetrate the compound and they deposit over 400 containers of gas inside No, considering, you know, with everything happening, I've learned that tear gas is very lethal. Can be, yeah. Um, and is actually banned in a lot of places in the world. Really? So, yeah, because because of the fact that it can be lethal, it's technically kind of considered a crap. I don't know what the word is, but I did learn that it is actually banned in some places. That's in crazy. the world. I didn't know that actually. Um, so like to know that they deposited 400. Yeah. Like the compound was large, but like that might've been overkill. That Yeah. Just a little. Um, but between, so the attacks started, like I said, at 6am and they ended up ending around 12pm. At this point, several fires break out. In and around the compound, there's gunfire inside, there's gunfire outside. No one's sure who shot first, but at this point, does it matter? Because the tear gas came, so like, I'm- Can you even see? Can you? I'm, quite frankly, if I'm someone that is on the Davidian side, and I'm someone that's within the compound, and all of a sudden, there's 400 things of tear gas coming my way, like, I'm gonna start shooting. I'm gonna start shooting. I'm not, I'm, I'm not even gonna lie to you. I'm assuming that the tear gas is a cover for them to come in and kill us all. Like at that point, deep and guttural, like there's fight or flight. Like those are your two options at that point. There's always the third option of stand still like a deer. Yes. I mean, yes, that's, that's, there's always that option. But like at that point I'm in fight or flight mode. Like up until now, they've been making external negotiations. You've been giving us food and water. Now you're storming the compound and heavily tear gassing us. I just like, can you see? And if you can't, are you just blindly shooting? Because that's dangerous for everybody involved. Yeah. I don't, I don't even know. I don't even kind of begin to know how it works. So, um, but like I said, at this point, there are several different fires that have all broken out. There's firefighters can't even really get to the fires. They're prevented from even being able to get in because the fires are so bad. And at this point, within the span of the last six to seven hours, flames spread out and engulf the entire property. Is tear gas flammable? I feel like it is. I It might be. So, like, if they had, like, wood-burning stoves and shit, which is possible from what I'm hearing about this community, like, you toss some tear gas, y'all all fuck. And then you shoot a bullet, you're really fucked. I mean, yeah. And then the thing is, like, if it's, like, a really open space for the most part in the compound. It was. 
fire spread very easily. Hence why the Twin Towers, like, just burnt. Yeah. Because it was cubicles. So if it's a huge space, it'll just travel. Have walls in your buildings. Yeah. Facts. Facts. Just a life lesson. Fair. Um, But at this point, um, nine Davidians were actually able to escape. Um, Investigators actually found 76 bodies within the compound. 25 were children. Um, Some of them, including David Koresh, had fatal gunshots uh, suggesting um, suicide or murder-suicide. I feel like I watched a documentary on this. Waco? Yeah. With, uh, what's his name from Spider-Man? I recognize that he's known for many more things than being... No, I don't think The Green Goblin on Spider-Man with Tobey Maguire, but... Actually, I don't know if it's on... Were they, like, all found, like, laying in cots and stuff, or were they actually burnt? Uh, no, I don't... At least from what I remember, they weren't burnt. Um... I'm not gonna lie, I did these notes way in advance and I like reread them like really quickly to like rebrief myself. Um. I'm just trying to like figure out if I actually did learn about this. Because like there there are like certain st- or cases and things that I've learned, but I don't ever remember the names of them. I mean, that's fair. Um, wait, 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 wait. Okay, wait. Final assault burning. Okay, wait. Oh, so I can show you really quick. That's how big the compound was. Like, it's a, like it's not a small building. And mm. then I have pictures of... Oh, my gosh. So that's like when the fire first broke out. Smoky. <laughs> Smoky. Oh, my God. I hate you. That is about half an hour to an hour. Mm, in, that's charcoal. Yes. In the sky. Yes. And then that is... The end of the day. Ashes, ashes, we all fall down. Oh my god, that's horrible. What? That nursery rhyme is literally about burning Jews. I did not know that. Yeah, no, I did not know that. I actually never sang that song, so. Oh, well, yeah. That's like the roof, the roof, the roof is on fire. We don't give a fuck. We'll burn the city down. That's about um in Philly. There were bunch of cops while we're talking about stuff like this i guess there were a bunch of cops who set a street on fire and then they barricaded the street so people couldn't get in to get to people and the entire street actually burned down and there's like literal pictures of like journalists who were able to get in and there's like a picture of like a girl um, it's a really famous picture. If I can find it, I'll actually probably post it to like either the Facebook group or Instagram, probably the Facebook group because it's really morbid. Um, but the, it's like a little girl. She can't be any older than like six or seven. And she's like banging on the windows of the Yikes. building. And like, you can see like the building everywhere is on fire. And I really thought that nursery rhyme ring around the rosy. I thought it was about the black plague. Is it the black plague? Yeah. Cause I thought it was like, um, cause I think it's like pocket full of posy was supposed to be like a treatment they were trying well then maybe i'm confusing it with another nursery rhyme because there's definitely a nursery rhyme that's about world war ii yeah because like the the that rhyme came from like the 1700s well then i could be just confusing the two but either way um it ended up being like really bad they um i'm looking to see i don't yeah, only nine people survived the fire. Yes, that I know. 75 died. Um, okay. No, I have the autopsy reports, but... It's cool. That's fine. Okay. Well, anyway. Um, yeah, autopsy records also indicate that at least 20 of the Branch Davidians were shot to death, not died from smoke inhalation or fire. David Koresh, as well as five children under the age of 14, three-year-old Dalen Ghent, um, oh, I'm sorry, there's a period in there. Um, of the 20 Branch Davidians who were shot, they include David Koresh, his five children, commas and periods are important, kids, um, as well as five children under the age of 14. Three-year-old Dalen Ghent was actually stabbed in the chest, and he died of a fatal stab wound. 
Um, Who stabbed him? I, uh, they were actually, the theory is, is that they think they were mercy killings because, and that was the other theory that was tossed around at one point was people thought that maybe whenever the tear gas came in, the Branch Davidians thought that the government at that point was going to perform a full siege at that point and kill them all. They just wanted them outside. Yeah. Like they just wanted to save the children and it didn't even, it just, (sighs) but anyway, um, at this point, yeah. So they think it was mercy killings, um, by the branch Davidians who were trapped in the fire with no escape and they're like, okay, well, rather than like burn to death or be killed by the military or the FBI, like we're going to kill each other, like murder, suicide, you know? Yeah. I, I, I get the not wanting to be burnt to death. Cause that's a really terrible way to go as well. Yeah. They say burning and drowning are like the two worst ways to die. Yes. It, um, burning is cause it's just excruciating pain. It doesn't kill you right away. And then drowning. We talked about this, but it's like suffocation where it feels like your head's going to explode. Oh. Yeah. I feel like my head's going to explode on its own sometimes. Like, that's scary. Um, But at this point, the uh, experts, um, they ended up retaining that the experts that were retained by the U.S. Office of Special Counsel, I can't read today, um, concluded that many of the gunshot wounds actually um, support self-destruction either by overt suicide consensual execution or like or less likely a forced execution so they're thinking more along the lines of people's church and jim jones yeah instead of kool-aid they just said fuck it we got guns and that's you what know. as i knock things over uh it, it is what it is it, you yeah. caught it i caught it that's what matters it didn't make like a obnoxious noise but um unfortunately like that's the most we have like everything was documented but it was a literal standoff like it was the fbi and the davidians everybody just kind of and stood there like there wasn't a lot going on until there was a lot going on um you said this took place in 1993 yes yo if you want to feel really old though we weren't born yet no but my brother was he was one years old. <laughs> That's crazy. Your parents probably watched all of this on, like, if you ask. No, them. my parents were still in Timor. In 1993? Yes. I mean, it was on the news everywhere, though. My parents were in the middle of a war zone. I mean, yeah, you're right. I always forget. I forget. My bad. <laughs> we should do Timor one day. It is a story for another day. We should do like a whole Timor episode. I would actually love to do that research. I've been saying I was going to do it for a while now. There's a lot. There's a lot on it. Yeah. But um, at this point, it's this is, you know, the end. And it's kind of like an unfortunate. I'm going to touch on the conspiracy theories because I hear I hear the one listener we have saying, what about the conspiracy theories? Because there's so many. Yes, I have a list. We're getting to it. But we're going to wrap the main shit first so that if anyone who else doesn't want to listen to my shit can leave. Whatever. <laughs> wrap it up in a nice little bow. Yeah. Um, but um, on uh, jumping forward, I'm sorry, in April of 1995, still not born yet, um, on the second anniversary, actually, of the Waco siege's end, a militant named Timothy McVeigh used a truck loaded with 48 hundred pounds of fuel oil and aluminum nitrate to attack the alfred p mura federal building in oklahoma city um which the oklahoma city bombings yeah yeah that happened on the anniversary of the waco siege um which we will talk about another week maybe i'll do that as my next one i'll just rearrange some things because i actually that's something i found out as i was researching things like i obviously know about the oklahoma city bombings um it's much like 9-11 kind of hard to grow up in the u.s and not know about them because Mm -hmm. for the longest time that was the craziest terrorist attack that we had ever had and i kind of wish that were still the case i understand that the u.s canada and a lot of other countries um we're really lucky in that case that that's the worst kind of thing we've had but it's still i couldn't imagine um but yes 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 conspiracy theories okay 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 we're getting there 
So as much as I want to call them a cult, cult experts will not say definitively whether or not they were a cult. Where's your checklist? Yeah. Hello? Um, even though there's obviously there's a really dominant narrative that, you know, David Crash was a sketchy cult leader. People were comparing him to Jim Jones, the People's Church and all that other foolishness. Um, but because no one knew about the branch of Davidians, because they were a literal branch of a branch, like think about it. The branch Davidians were a branch of the Davidians. The Davidians started out because they, the, the one guy left another like religious organization. So it's like, they're a branch of 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 a branch. Like, it's not actually that deep, but like at this point they were still so new, especially in terms of like religious groups and not a lot was known about them to know whether or not. So you're saying like even now, you know, 20 some years later, yeah. they still won't call them a cult? Nope. I feel like there's just like certain things that define a cult. And if they hit all those check marks, get your list, you should call them what they are. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're right. But uh, yeah. Um yeah no they won't call them a cult and then okay what do they call them then i don't a religious organization great (laughs) but uh david caress yeah people think that he's not dead there are groups of people who um believe that he actually never died they claim they didn't find his bones they didn't find his body they just found another male body and um but yeah, there's a whole group of people that are like, you're never going to find David's bones. Like, he's not dead. He's alive. He's risen. Like, they literally, yeah. Um, talk about sipping the Kool-Aid. That's a poor joke. And it's not even a joke. It's just like, it's serious because it's like, think about it. Like, the People's Church, literally, there were mothers who willingly put poured poison down their baby's throats and like i can't even wrap my brain around like what like that's and and for those of you who don't know like that's where the phrase like oh you're sipping the kool-aid comes from people's church came from people's church which we will deal with another day because it wasn't even kool-aid it was flavor aid it was knockoff kool-aid it wasn't really knockoff yes it was flavor aid i feel like i knew that and just i've yeah anyway um but that's probably one of the biggest conspiracy theories um, is that a lot of people just don't think he's actually dead. And then I wouldn't be doing the Waco story justice if I didn't mention that there are a lot of people who feel very strongly that they don't think the government acted um, super appropriately during the standoff. Um, but obviously this it's 1993 there aren't a lot of there aren't body cams there aren't dash cams there aren't fluoroscopes like these days um we have body cams we have dash cams and sniper rifles have cameras built into the scopes and there's all this amazing technology so we can watch how these kinds of things go down um there's just a lot of unknown when it comes to waco like a lot of unknown like like I was saying, for example, no one knows who shot first or who's responsible for the fire starting. In either case. Yeah, like no one, no one knows. Um, and because of that, they're like, okay, well, did the FBI start shooting first? And like the Davidians kind of like, like I said earlier, like, was it that, okay, maybe they dropped that tear gas and immediately started just firing. I mean, granted, you're at this point, if you're in the FBI or you're in um, one of the 900, um, police groups or more, um, you're going in thinking you're facing an, essentially an armed militia. And there's, if that was the case that they tear gas and immediately started shooting, then there's no justification. If they tear gas and the Vinian started shooting, then there's like, okay, well that's how the shooting started. Like no one knows. Cause everybody's dead. What if the first shot was just a suicide? could have been and no one would know all you would have heard was a gunshot all you would have heard so there's a lot a lot of unknowns so um 
and it's something that's been touched on if you're listening to this you're probably you probably watch criminal minds or something but like criminal minds even touched on it that they were like if something like that were to happen today we would look at it from a behavioral analysis kind of point of view and it's kind of why we have branches like the BAU because they're able to look at it from a a psychological standpoint rather than just um like oh well he's a person with a gun he's gonna kill me like I need to kill him first kind of thing like it's psychological and it's if you are a person who listens to us and doesn't watch criminal minds i highly suggest it um it's a good show it is a amazing show and i really appreciate they definitely did a lot of research when it comes to all the i mean except for the fact that you can just see quantico from the street um not true okay well no you can't see it you can't get to it from a train you can see quantico from the highway that's not a street though like a street yeah. you also can't get there by public transportation the first second thing that's true you can't you cannot you have to drive there oh well what if i ain't got no what if i don't got no car quantico is like at least an hour away from actual dc and where the public transport oh, system yeah, goes we passed it on the way to king's dominion yeah hmm. we're just two and a half hours away so oh yeah anyway um but there are people that just think the government didn't take, you know, time to be fully informed about the Branch Davidians. They weren't fully informed about Koresh or his followers. And they, they just went in and confronted this group so aggressively. And in this instance, I'm kind of inclined to look at both sides a little bit more because it's like, okay, well, back in the day, you couldn't just Google what the fuck is a Branch Davidian you would have had to have sat down and did the research. And it was like, how much time was it between this anonymous tip and the beginning of the siege? Yeah. So it's, a, it's also a little weird because like they also had the time after the beginning of the standoff, they had 51 day, almost two months to do more research on it. But then there's also the whole part where, you know, even like experts are like, there wasn't information about them. Yeah, because they are so new. But it's like, was there a conversation that was it? I'm not even gonna lie. The tree branch outside of our window just scared the absolute piss shit out of me. Um, <laughs> Might be gone soon. We don't know. I feel like it will be. I kind of hope they do cut it down. I like it. our tree. I like her tree, but her tree's dying. It's not our fault. But anyway, we digress. Um, you know... But you had over 900 law enforcement present. You mean to tell me out of those 975 or 100 of them couldn't have started researching? No, or apparently like not. They calling just sat around, around doing questions. and No, they just sat on their ass and twiddled their thumbs. I don't think that's actually what happened. because There's you, 900 of them. They were probably doing shit. This is true because it's 75 died. Branch Div- 75 Branch Divinians died in the fire. 24 were originally released when they got them to release children in exchange for food and and stuff so you're at this point you're at about 100 branch davidians nine or so survived so about 110 110 branch davidians but you need 900 people in law enforcement like that compound's big but like not you don't need 900 people you don't and like it's yeah there, there's also not enough jobs for 900 people. Uh, maybe they were researching and maybe we don't know it. But I mean, yeah, a lot of people. Or maybe they and if you donuts. That is horrible. Maybe. We don't know what they were doing. That they could have been sitting there playing chess. This is true. I mean, they probably were on shifts at, at the point of 51 days. Yeah. They were, they were definitely on shifts. It was, all right, you're asleep, I'm up. Like, someone was probably always awake, but I don't know, even if you're at the point of someone's always awake, I don't know if there's ever a purpose to 900 versus 100. Especially when out of those 100, there's at least well, 25 children. Okay. Um, I mean, there there is the whole point of, like, you want to make sure you, they, there's more of you than them. It's so, like, that I get. You don't need, like, nine times more. No like you could have did okay there's a hundred in them let's do 200 i don't know i don't know i don't know i don't make the rules but anyway um 
either way, there's a lot, a lot that has to get unpacked as far as this goes. But um, the Branch Davidians are still around today. Uh, the group didn't completely die out after the Waco incident. Um, nine, day, nine Davidians did escape the fire, as I mentioned before. Um, and the group is still around. There's a new group formed called Branch, the Lord, our righteousness, and rather than the Branch Davidians. Um, and they have a new compound in the same place as the old Waco place. Jesus. They have a new leader and some of the Davidians are still meeting regularly for Bible study as of 2013. Um, some of them believe Koresh will return from the dead and lead them again. Um, and one survivor, Sheila Martin actually gave a quote to people magazine when they interviewed her for the anniversary of it. Um, they said that David came, uh, to give them a message and hope, uh, they hope that they get to see them again, that they get to see him again. And that their only regret is that they didn't get to serve God better. (laughs) Y'all. Yeah. So that's a lot to unpack. (laughs) I. I have no words like yeah it was just a lot in general but I mean that's the story of Waco okay (laughs) (laughs) it was a very long pause but anyway I um, I don't have anything to say to that because like they're still surviving yeah, and the fact that they're in the same old location is kind of bananas to me. It also, like... I would think that land was cursed as shit. I mean, there's that, but also, like, you didn't... You go through all of that, and then you still come back. Listen. Call your dad. You're in a cult. Not legally, apparently. No. But anyway, so that's episode 30, the Waco... Uh, Texas massacre or siege, depending on how you want to look at it. Um, thank you guys so much for tuning in for another episode. Make sure you leave us a review on iTunes, join our Facebook group. Um, even if it's just to tell us that we fucking suck, just show up and then leave. I don't really give a shit. Also check out our social medias. We're on the Instagrams and the Twitters. Uh, you can find us at, uh, haunted tourism podcast, right? Yes. Um, for both. Yes. Cool. I got it right for once. <laughs> and then we also have a Gmail account, um, hauntedtourismpodcast at gmail.com. Send us any requests or anything. I would like to have suggestions because it's hard looking for spoopy stories, man. It's, what you said is it's hard out here on a pimp. It's real hard. <laughs> I hate you. All right. Anyway, we'll hear you guys next week and we will be back next week with a paranormal episode. Yay! It's for me! Yay! Okay, bye! Bye!